If you recall, I had said when I first tasted Percodan, I want to feel like this for the rest of my life. And then it flipped into, oh my God, that is that is what's going to happen. I, and so I sat in a chair. I remember the chair. I opened that Bible and I couldn't read it. And it wasn't because I was high. I just couldn't read it. So I closed it and I said, help me, Jesus. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I am here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. Welcome to season seven. Yes, season seven. We were just talking. We cannot believe that God has allowed us to continue to go and go and go. (laughs) The little train that could. And if you're new, welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast. If you've never listened to before, we want to start off the season just telling you a little bit about us, what Storytellers Live is. Did you know we're not just a podcast? (laughs) Storytellers Live is actually a ministry, and we are in 12 different cities around the country, from Texas to Georgia, and we are everyday women hosting live gatherings around the country where women show up to hear a story. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. Women show up, they listen to a story of God's goodness, of how God has shown up in someone's life through one particular story. And then those are all recorded. And those become a podcast. And then Katie has turned several of our podcast episodes into Bible studies. That's right. And so we really hit three different topics of live gatherings, And those stories then become the podcast, and those podcasts, they'll become Bible studies. And if you really want to know all the details, you can go back an episode, (laughs) because when we talked about rest, the very last episode we just had, when we talked about rest at the end of season six, we really explained a lot of, of what Storytellers is about. So if you're new here and you're curious, it's a great place to go back and listen. And so if you missed it at the beginning, I am Robin, and I coach our storytellers. I'm over our communities, and I'm the founder of Storytellers. Lindy? I am Lindy Walker, and I am Director of Engagement, and I get to work with the ministry as a whole and how we interact with churches and our communities and our team leaders in our cities. And my name is Katie Dunn, and I am the Director of Content for Storytellers Live. And as Robin said, I've had the privilege of, of writing the Bible studies for the ministry. I also have the privilege of listening to every story that comes in from our communities and just figuring out how to get those onto the podcast as well. And then I oversee Patreon with Amy Grody. And so it's just such a privilege to work with this ministry. And we're just so thankful for all of our listeners and just how God's growing it and what He's doing with the ministry. And so for today's kickoff story for Season 7, we are thrilled to bring you Margot Shaw. A fun fact is that Margot was actually the second storyteller ever. Back years and years ago, I started Storytellers with a friend long before it's what it is now. And we had just a local gathering with our friends from church at a barn. You'll hear her talk about it. (laughs) Um, And Marco was our second storyteller ever. And so you'll hear that now she shared at our fundraiser. That's so true, Robin. She actually shared this past March at our Stories of Hope Luncheon, which is our annual fundraising event, as you said, for our ministry. 
industry, and you will so enjoy her humor and how she relates to other people. Margot is well-known in our community. She is the founder and editor-in-chief of Flower Magazine. If you have not seen that beautiful magazine, you should pick up a copy today, and you're going to hear how those threads were woven Mm -hmm. in her life. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing about, well, first of all, Margot is just so cool. <laughs> yes, she is. There's she, really no better word. She really is. I mean, you just want to be around her. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Lindy, she's she has such wisdom, but she tells it with such humor and just a dry sense of humor that I love as well. In her story, you're going to hear her say, but God, a lot, mm-hmm. because her, her story just weaves that in of how God worked in her life and all of these little details. It is a story about redemption, about how God saved her from addiction, but it's really... And what I love most, we're going to talk about this in our discussion, is just the three words that she says is, help me, Jesus. And that's all it took for him to just take off in her life. So I'm so excited for you to hear her story and for us to kick off this season with her. And as season seven begins, we are excited for our Patreon insiders. If you have been around storytellers for a while, you know about Patreon and how it supports this podcast. It keeps our lights on. It keeps paying for all the technology that it, that it takes to run a podcast. And you can easily become a Patreon insider by just scrolling down in our show notes and clicking join Patreon, or just simply go to our website at storytellerslive.org. Our Patreon insiders today are going to get the privilege of hearing a new series. Amy Grody is starting a parenting series. For the next three weeks, you're going to hear from former storytellers and how they've related to the role of parenting. You are going to love it. So become a Patreon insider today. Can't wait for you to hear Margot. Here she is. And before our storyteller, we do want to tell you we have exciting news. Oh my gosh. We are launching new Storytellers Live merchandise. Y'all are not going to believe it when you see it. It is over on our website live right now. We have the cutest crop sweatshirts. We have the cutest sweatshirt that y'all are going to love. Oh, it's the best. So comfortable too. Soft t-shirts. So go right now to storytellerslive.org, hit the shop button and see what we are talking about. It is a great way to support our ministry and a great way to show off some new swag for Storytellers Live. This is such an honor for me, and it's a departure because, first of all, thank you all for coming and spending time with us. On this beautiful day, we could all be out playing pickleball or something, but um, <laughs> but we're not, and we're here, and I'm so glad. Um, I'm so in awe of Robin and Lindy and Katie and all of the team, all that, that they've done, because yes, that was right when they started. I did a little, uh, one of their storyteller times at Swan Lake, and for those of you who were there and heard my story, tough. Because um, <laughs> I'm going to tell it again. It'll be different because it's different now. But but I did want to just um, open in prayer, if that's okay. Anybody object? Okay, good. The Lord be with you, my good Episcopalian friends. Uh, Lord, I thank you so much for the honor and uh, pleasure and opportunity of being here with all of these women who have gathered. I pray today that my words would be pearls, that the water would be poured out and turned into wine in each chalice 
belonging to each woman here. I want to bless God through you and what you do and what you say through me. And anything that's not of you, just, I don't want to say it. Um, I just thank you in advance, and I thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So I want to start with something we were talking earlier about when God shows up and identifying him in your life and, and his role in your life and being able to recognize. And so this morning, I was having quiet, and I was like, I'm, I, there's one more verse that I want to throw out there, and it's this verse, and then, I, and then the phone rang, and then this happened, and that happened, and I didn't look it up, and I didn't have time, and I didn't write it down, and lo and behold, what is on the table? Okay? And I'll read it to you, and you'll, you'll understand, but um, I like to call things like that God winks. And so I welcome God winks uh, any and every time. But my story starts in a family that lived not far from here, up on Shook Hill Road, across from 280. And I had two parents, mother and father, and um, they were lost. They were attractive, they were wealthy, they were sophisticated, and they were just lost. They were living for themselves and and other things. And um, so they raised my, my brother and me in a way that was not conducive to finding anything like what we're doing here today. Uh, they were completely unchurched. I did come across a video of my christening at the Church of the Advent Y'all will love this. I'm in the housekeeper's arms in my in my christening gown, and my mother and and family and great uncle and all kinds of people, and my mother smoking a cigarette. <laughs> and I thought, you know, if that's not the '50s, what is? But, but anyway, um, they were extremely sophisticated, and I want to honor my parents. There's some things that were not so honor-worthy, but I do want to honor their exposing me and my brother to all kinds of beauty and sophistication. And we lived in Switzerland, and so I now speak French, and we saw all kinds of beauty. And my father was a great esthete, and he would expose me and say, look at this, look at this, look at this. And I just still remember him doing that. And he informed my eye, even as a young child. And my mother was a wordsmith. So when you think about Flower Magazine, those two threads come through, the beauty and the words, because I had no background whatsoever in publishing. So part of my message today is, but God... So we'll, we'll move forward through my life with my parents who, beyond not being charged, they were, um, my mother was an alcoholic and my father was pretty violent. And not to get graphic and not to belabor that, but that's a home that I grew up in. Then they divorced. And so all that that encompasses, just a real brokenness and kind of an, a sense of abandonment and a, a lostness. My brother and I raised each other in 
For a long time, we didn't do a great job. Um, we, our house was party central, our parents were in Europe or whatever, and we just did whatever we wanted. We were like, I think of sort of Hansel and Gretel in the woods by ourselves. We were just really, really alone. And that's not how children are supposed to be. I had a lot of fun and I survived it because I'm here, but um, I remember being at, who, who has ever heard of Elizabeth Newbold? I was at her house with a friend of mine from Brook Hill School for Girls, and I was just picking up something. She and her husband, Bud, were these incredibly dedicated, godly missionaries. And I was at that house. They had adopted my friend, and I was just picking up something. And so one night we went to church, and I was like, what is this odd place? This, <laughs> I mean, really, I had not... Ben, um, but they did an altar call and I went forward and I was 13, 14 years old and I went forward and I don't know what happened, but I, I, I would say I accepted Jesus, but I went right back out and completely forgot. But God. Um, I was allowed to, you know, wander through my life, and I just did whatever I wanted. I went to boarding school. I went to college. I slept with boys. I did drugs. I, you know, ha again, had a great time, um, <laughs> which would not be a great time now. But, um, but, but, you know, I hope you can hear within that the lostness and the loneliness and the unmooredness that was my life. My mother had been extremely public in her uh, depression, alcoholism, and Mountain Brook, Alabama in 1974 or 5 in there was really a fishbowl. And so a lot that happened there um, brought with it a, some accompanying shame, a lot of accompanying shame for me. And, you know, we all tussle with, what do people think of me? I hope people think I'm cool. I hope people think I'm smart. Whatever we want people to think. I was so filled with shame that I did anything I could to overcome that. And when I married the first time, that was a part of that effort. That was, I married and moved back to Birmingham. I'd been in grad school in Texas. And I wanted that white picket fence so bad. You know, I won, I joined the junior league, started a supper club, ballet guild, you know, I mean, you tennis team. I joined a guild of the church that I didn't even belong to. <laughs> I mean, I really did, the St. Alice Guild at the Advent. But I was christened there. Um, <laughs> It's a but it's a but God story, you know, because I, I I tried so hard to redeem my parents and to redeem myself, to redeem that shame. And um so after I had a baby, I'm gonna back up for a minute, I'm gonna tell y'all that before I had a baby, before I was married, I had an abortion. And when I got married and got pregnant. I spent nine months in so much fear that God was going to punish me. And I didn't even really know God. I just thought, I'm going to be punished for that abortion, for taking that baby's life. And any of you in this room who know Hansel Holt, my daughter, 
well, you can just say how good God is because she was a 9.9 on the APGAR score. And she has been the amazing light of my life. And, um, but God, you know, he could, it, some things could have happened, but God, he just was so, Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask for her, uh, for my life. Um, but I did end up, after that pregnancy, they, this is back when they would give you like a soup can full of opiates. You know, they didn't know. They didn't know. And so I became entranced with Percodan and Lortab and things like that. And I thought, this feels really good. I want to feel this way for the rest of my life. And I set about doing whatever I needed to do to achieve that. And that involved going to friends' houses and uh, rifling through their medicine cabinets, lying to doctors, lying to pharmacists. I even went went to Tommy Amoson, you hear me, Tommy Amoson's office, my pediatrician, and when he left his office, I pocketed some of his prescription pads. Could have been Debs in jail. Could have been a bad, bad scene. And I did forge a few, and I never got caught. And but God, you know, and I think the statute of limitations is up on that. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, so y'all don't tell anybody. Actually, this is being taped. Uh oh. Um, anyway, I, I spent a couple of years in the darkest, darkest place I can ever imagine, and I can't describe it to you, but I was um, in total and complete bondage. And I had friends that to this day would say, we knew something was wrong, so we just started praying. I run into people in the grocery store, we knew something was wrong with you, you just didn't seem right, or it's a tot lot, or wherever. And we started praying. And so thank you to any of you who were here, who were there then, but um, the power of prayer. I just, I had an aunt, Betsy Shook, who was a relentless evangelist, and um, just within the family. And I can remember sitting on the edge of a chaise long at my other aunt's pool, mm, 24, 25, Topless, drinking gin and tonics, smoking cigarettes, taking Valiums, and Betsy Shook walks up to us with her Bible in hand and sits down, me and my cousin, and proceeds to spread the word, to share the gospel with us. And I wish I could say, and we listened with rapt attention and and came to Jesus that day. We did not. But let's just think about that woman and her courage and her, because what's scarier than young people when you're not young, first of all? Um, but um, she did give me a Bible. I still have it. It's called The Way. Some of you old enough may remember it. It was paperback, and it had all these Jesus-y, revolution-y kind of pictures on it. And so I sat, and, and, I, and I read it some, and, you know. But I also remember one night, I had tried to quit taking drugs, and I had tried hard, but I hadn't asked for help because this is 1986. Nobody was public about addiction. Addiction, what's that? 
and you know, we knew some people that had problems with alcohol, but there were no treatment centers. There was no, it was not cool to be in rehab in 1986. And so um, I was, more ashamed. I was more hindered by that. And, um, but I remember run, one night I looked in the mirror and I had these dark circles under my eyes and I was about that big around. That's the only thing about addiction I'd like to go back to. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, I looked in the mirror and said, oh my God, I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. If you recall, I had said, when I first tasted Percodan, I want to feel like this for the rest of my life. And then it flipped into, oh my God, that is, that is what's going to happen. I, and so I sat in a chair, I remember the chair, I opened that Bible, and I couldn't read it. And it wasn't because I was high, I just couldn't read it. So I closed it, and I said, help me, Jesus. That was a Wednesday in October of 86. That weekend, four doctors and their wives were together in Florida, and they started talking about me. They were all worried about me. They're all friends of mine. And um, they put it together, because I had called all of them for drugs within a week or two. And so David McKee, my OBGYN, called me when he got home and said, Margot, I need you in my office tomorrow morning, first thing. And I said, I'll be there. And I, y'all, I knew that God had moved. And I didn't even have words for it yet. I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. But if you ever need an example of how the Holy Spirit moves, that I prayed a prayer, and down in the Gulf, on the Gulf, those doctors are having a conversation about me, and then he comes back and starts me on my upward trajectory. So I sit in his office. He pulls out reams of prescription records from all different drugstores, and I said, yeah, that's how I rolled. And he said, well, do you want help? He asked me that. And I said, yes, I do. And he said, well, there's a room, a bed for you upstairs at Baptist Montclair. I don't know if y'all remember that hospital, but it was sweet. It was sweet. And that's where I really got saved. That's where I really got whole and healthy and or started it. Um, but I also remember, you know, I was so ashamed that I couldn't tell anybody where I was and what was going on. And I think about all the times I would just throw Hansel in the car and drive to the grocery store. Could have so easily, but God, you know, but God. I mean, I just think about him now watching over me that entire time and bringing people across my path. My Aunt Betsy, God bless you, Aunt Betsy. Just give yourself a pat on the back up there. You know, I mean, if we have any questions, any doubts about how he moves and how much he loves us, I was such a renegade. I was so bad. I was also a bitch. Can I just say that? <laughs> I, I was really not a nice person. I was smart and funny and talented, but I was not nice because I was so hurting. You know, I was so hurting. And so um, now I'm not. I mean, 
my husband might disagree on occasion, but for the most part, I'm a really kind person, and it's not me. You know, it's Jesus. And um, so some of y'all know about the book and the magazine, and uh, that's a that's a, a real but God moment too because um, I again have no have no qualification. Well, I do now, but 15 years ago I had no qualifications. But God gave me the idea. But God, uh, after my first divorce, gave me Gate Shaw, my second and final husband, who is just he is the best. Some a couple of y'all know him, and he is and. Um, you know, and then I have these two wonderful stepdaughters and, and I have this life and I have my health and, and I have this group of people that I can come and speak to and share. When I speak for Flower Magazine, when I'm out on the road doing my book signings or my talks about whatever they want to hear about, I will stand and thank them for having me. And then they don't know it, that it's guerrilla evangelism, but I'll get in there and say, I just want to thank you, Jesus, for pulling me up out of the pit of opiate addiction 36 years ago. And, and they're all like, especially if they're up north. <laughs> and I just got back from Wilmington, Delaware, and I will tell you, it was a different response. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm not here to be um, popular or approved of or loved by anybody but Jesus and the rest is just gravy and overflow you know we're drinking from the saucer at this point in my life but I did also want to tell you a little bit about who my saint is anybody here gone to Curcio um, it's an Episcopal ministry, and it's life-changing. It's three days, and it's absolutely anointed. It's a really holy time. And they ask you to have um, a special saint. They ask you to pick a saint that you relate to. And so my saint is Mary Magdalene, always, because anybody watching The Chosen, that was me. You know, that was just me. And I was, I would say I was not filled with seven demons. I was probably filled with about 70 demons. And Jesus, you know, he, but God, he just touched me. And um, so that's my saint. That's my story. Um, and, and then that I'm able to stand before you and talk about Jesus and talk about um, these moments in my life where he has shown up. He didn't show up. He was always there. It's just recognizing him. And so I'm going to read y'all uh, a couple of verses. So the verse that I thought about this morning that is it's not my life verse, but it's close. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, 1 Peter 2.9. I wish I could draw a picture of the darkness that I was in. Um, I wish I could communicate to y'all the bondage uh, so you could recognize his handiwork in me, so you could see the brightness and the lightness of who I've become. And let me say this. I'm not up here saying I've got it all figured out. I've got it all together because I do not. I struggle every day, but I have grown so much and I've seen so much. I've seen God move in so many ways with so many people that um, that's the hope. 
It's not, oh, aren't I great because I overcame. Or not, you know, no, he is, uh, he is great because he helped me overcome. And my life verse is Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. I don't think I knew I was waiting patiently for the Lord, and I don't think I've ever waited patiently for anything, but that's in there, so i got to read it. Uh, he brought me up out from a desolate pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord. That is my fondest dream. That is all I want from today. Any of you who have not had the pleasure of meeting our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, see Lindy, as she said, <laughs> or me, or I'm sure any, Katie, any of us will talk to you about that encounter and how to help make it happen. And um, it will change your life for the better. You know, changing, life changing is not always mean for the better, but in this case, it definitely does. Um, and so I want to also just read this first. It might be part of your life verse for the storytellers, and that is, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our hope is in him, in him alone. Don't look at me. Look at me for a minute, and then look, look at him, because he is everything. Jesus is my hero. Y'all, did you laugh? <laughs> I mean, like you said, she's so cool. You I want to live in the 50s. Going, yeah. <laughs> Have a cigarette by the pool. Um, you know, one thing Margot did mention that I thought was so, it's just so the Lord, mm -hmm. is that before she shared that morning at our fundraising lunch, she knew there was one more scripture she wanted to share in her story. She got sidetracked. She couldn't remember what it was. And she showed up at the fundraising lunch. And it was the scripture card we had at every single person's seat that was like their takeaway and their take home from being at the luncheon. That's only the Lord. The Bible's really big. <laughs> there are a lot of verses in there. And First Peter 2, 9 is our scripture for storytellers. Mm -hmm. It's what we've based it off of from day one. And it was on the card. And so guess what? Y'all get a copy of that if you want. We're actually putting a link in the show notes where y'all can download the same scripture card so that you have it. But what a way he, for the Lord to I show mean, up in every detail. He's so, in the details. And that's what I was just about to say. He's so in the details. You know, when we were at the luncheon, uh, I had the privilege of speaking after Margot told her story. And one of the things that I said when I got up there is I said, you know, those three words that she said, help me, Jesus. How often have you just said, help me, Jesus? <laughs> you don't need to come to him with, you know, just all of these these beautiful uh, theologically sound words, you know, it's just just coming before him on your face, and and I don't know who needs to hear that, but I think for so many years growing up, I thought I had to get my life together before oh, yeah. I could come yeah, to God. Yeah. My whole twenties was about that, and so I spent a lot of my twenties really turning from Him and running from Him. And I can specifically remember a moment like Margot saying, "Help me, Jesus," and I was in my 
my car. And I just said, you've got to show up, you know, help me, Jesus. And he did in so many ways after that. And so I just hope that is an encouragement for someone listening is that you don't have to have it all together before you come before the Father. And again, this story is really filled of God moments from from the scripture that very day, but also help me, Jesus. And within one week, he brought her help. Mm-hmm. All those doctors and their wives were in Florida putting together every piece of what she had been doing and how easy for her to have gotten in major trouble, like mm, yeah. real trouble, yeah. for them to approach her aggressively where she got super defensive, but she was in such a place of desperation and needing help that when they came to her in love, she was like, yes, I need help. Mm -hmm. And within days, the Lord helped her and pulled her out of the pit of addiction. And, you know, she was she was able to begin the healing process. It was a moment of complete surrender, honestly. And I think that's one thing that we do have to come before God with with humility and surrender as well. It reminds me of those verses in Romans, actually Romans chapter 8, where it talks about the Spirit interceding on our behalf. I mean, that is a picture of the Holy Spirit working. And she said that. I mean, if that's not a picture of the Holy Spirit working, when I say, help me, Jesus, and there's a group of doctors, my friends, who are are planning an intervention mm-hmm. on my behalf. And so God is in the detail and details, and He was interceding all through her life. I mean, you mentioned the simple prayer of help me, Jesus. Yeah. That is an example of childlike faith. And, you know, she didn't grow up churched. She didn't grow up oh, in, yeah. in a church circle mm-hmm. and exposed to a lot, but she knew just in her spirit that I just needed to say, help me, Jesus. Well, and I think also just the courage that the aunt had to, to give aunt her Aunt Betsy. Yes, yes. To go. can we all be Aunt Betsy? <laughs> exactly, to go to her and give her this Bible, you know, in the midst of them laying by the pool oh. and talking to them about Jesus. And here's the thing, you know, I'm sure that, that you know, we all want to be an Aunt Betsy and, and have the fruits seen, I mean, shown to us immediately. But she planted a seed, mm-hmm. and that I think that's really what what Margot clinged to when she went before God and said, "Help me, Jesus." One last thing that really spoke to me was, you know, Margot's no longer young; she's no longer striving to be cool. She has this incredible magazine and a real presence, and God has put a ton of people in her life that are very influential. And she now goes and speaks all over the world. And she says in the beginning, you know, she talks about Jesus, and she's like, I'm not here to be liked or approved by any of these people in front of me except Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I just think, what an incredible testimony that she's there to talk about this magazine. And she's, I mean, her world is beautiful, Mm -hmm. you know? She has a beautiful world, and she's like, this is just all about Jesus, and you all can take this or leave it. That's right. And, you know, it's something that comes with age, but what what an incredible thing to aspire to and just go, who are we living for? And you know, that's just really a result of God's pursuing love of her. And I'm so excited about next week's story because we're kind of continuing this theme of God's pursuing love with Courtney Golden's story as well. You're not going to want to miss that. So we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Well, thank you so much for listening today. Again, if you're new around here or if you've come back after a long time, I feel like we're kind of everywhere. We're on Instagram and on Facebook at Storytellers Live Podcast. We have an email list if you want to get just weekly updates. We don't send a ton of things, but you can sign up for that at our website at StorytellersLive.org. 
If you've loved what you've heard, it really does help to rate and review our podcast. It truly is how people find us. And so if you're listening on Apple, that's a great way. Spotify, our podcast is all over the place too. It's on all the places where you listen to podcasts. And so if you want to get in touch with us or follow us, we're all the places. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening and we will talk to you next week. Bye.